Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are after a day off for rest and relaxation and Celebrating the day that was Independence Day, we are back in studio for the next three hours. Damon Cotton, your boy Q, got my man Toby in the building with us as well, and we are going to navigate through the through the waters the next three hours. And we're gonna uh, we we got a lot for you on today's show. If we're not gonna have a show on Monday, that means we got to come in hard with a, a big time show for you today, and that's exactly what we have lined up for you. Very excited about that. Got Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He joins us at 2.30. Normally, he joins us on Mondays. But, again, since we were off celebrating the 4th of July and the whole building was off, uh, we'll have Ed come on at 2.30, talk all things Raiders. At 3 o'clock, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He'll join us to talk all things NFL and, and Demon talk about the the softball game that I missed on uh, on Saturday. There's a softball game, an annual softball game, every year, 4th of July weekend, in Waco, Texas, and I became a softball legend in that game. And he invited me to go play, and I literally, honestly, tried to think about booking a flight and going to check it out and be a part of it. It didn't happen. I didn't make it happen. So I'm a little disappointed because I had people hit me like, oh, man, I just finished playing in the game. And I was like, oh, don't tell me that. I missed that game. I was a legend in that game. Did anyone say, oh, man, we could have used you? Not yet. (laughs) <laughs> Not yet. I'm hoping when we talk to John coming up at uh, 3 o'clock, that'll be the first thing he says because that'll be the first thing I ask. That'll be the first thing I ask. Hey, how was the softball game? And hopefully he says, Q, we could have used you. We didn't have a home run hitter. That's, hey, man. I was, no, I'm he telling, said it before. I yeah, him before exactly. I was that guy. I was the leadoff hitter, but I was the home run hitter too. So, yeah, I, be, I was like, you know, I don't know. You might be too young. You know the legend of Al Bundy, right? When Al Bundy scored four touchdowns in one game. And that was the only thing he ever did. Yeah. That's my legend right there, right? I hit multiple home runs in this softball game. And I hit one off of Arthur Rhodes, who played in the major leagues for a very long time. So that's also my claim to fame. And then when I rounded the bases, I did it like Ricky Anderson style. I popped my collar. I was, took my time. I took about an hour to get around the bases. You know, I took my time. I was talking a lot of trash. I Shocking. mean, if it's off of a major leaguer. He, he did serve it up there pretty nice, though, for me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He served it up, and, man, I hit that thing, and. That's all I did. That's all I talked about for the longest time. And, of course, Arthur Rhodes is a, is a guy that everyone in the Central Texas area knows because he's from that area. So I'd get on the radio and talk bad about how I hit a home run off Arthur Rhodes. Like, hey, man. Hey, man. Watch your mouth. That's a home run. That's a, that's a hometown uh, hero. Yeah, well, that home run, hometown hero got took deep. <laughs> I took his tail deep. So yeah. All right. So if he gave you some real MLB cheese, he gave you 10 tries. Oh, you I'm making contact? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> if I make a contact, it'll probably be foul. You know what I mean? Because I'll hey, be so late. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it'll probably be foul. I'm not, hey, look, man. Look, <laughs> I understand my limitations, right? You know, at one point in my life, I played a little baseball, but I don't think a Major League Baseball pitcher, I don't think too many Major League Baseball pitchers are throwing something that I'm hitting. Just saying. That's not, that's not. And then on top of that, he'll probably light it up with the fastball on the first pitch and then hit me with something slow, and I'll be way out in front of it and really look silly. So he'd probably make me look like a fool. But in that day, I got the last laugh. So 
with all that being said, we'll talk to John McClain coming up at 3 o'clock, all things NFL. Talk to him about the Hall of Fame. I really want to focus in on the Hall of Fame with John since, uh, obviously, this is the summer of Cliff Branch. Very excited about that and already have the, the plans uh, made for uh, Canton, Ohio and broadcasting this show live from Canton, Ohio, just like we did last year. So looking forward to that. So we'll talk a lot of Hall of Fame when it comes to John McClain at 3 o'clock. Then at 3.30, a friend of the show, Mo Moten from Bleacher Report, Silver and Black Today, Sports Knot, he, uh, he put out a piece uh, over-unders on multiple different uh, subjects when it comes to the Silver and Black, including Derek Carr, the running game, the defense, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. So we'll go over that whole piece that he did. Mo's a great guy to have on the show. He's a lot of fun to talk to. So that'll happen at 3.30. And then at 4 p.m., the last go- guest that we'll have on the show today, Shahan Jaraja from uh, CBS Sports. He's another guy that I used to work with uh, back in Central Texas, and he's doing some really big things this guy went from writing for Baylor to writing for Dave Campbell's Texas football magazine to all of a sudden now being part of CBS Sports so he's could just continue to grind and grind and grind and grow and grow and grow and uh, so he'll join us to talk all things college football because what in the world's going on what in the world's going on with college football man you see USC is bouncing UCLA is bouncing now it looks like the whole Pac-12 seems like it's going to the Big 12 what's the Mountain West gonna do they're gonna just Grab a couple other teams. What's Cal going to do? What's Stanford going to do? What's UNLV going to do? I mean, again, like they say, what's, what's the Mountain West going to do? Are they going to grab a couple teams and try to make a Power Five? I mean, what, what's really going on? What's Boise State going to do? One that I'm looking at on the East Coast, the ACC might be done too. I think they're all done at some point. It looks like what we're going to is like two major powerhouse conferences, and that's it. And I'm sorry, but that's just not – For me, that's not entertaining because what I always heard about college football, I used to get slandered a lot uh, because I I was such a big fan of the NFL, and I like covering the NFL. And when I was in Texas, it was really about college football. Like, that was king. High school football and college football was king. So everyone used to say, oh, Q, you know, the NFL is great, but the pageantry, you get the pageantry, you get the rivalries in college football. Okay, so now what? Now what about those pageantries and all that that, uh, that, that rivalry stuff? That's out the window? Now it's all about the almighty dollar. That's the only rivalry that matters. The only colors that matter is green. In, in a few years, that Rutgers-USC rivalry will mean something. Yeah. You just got to let it build up. Okay. Sure. I won't be around for that, brother. Two powerhouses in the Big Ten, you know? Yeah. I won't be around for that. And I've had people hit me up and say, oh, you know, Rutgers and UCLA will be great in basketball. This is not about basketball. None of it's about yeah, basketball. Somebody on the East Coast. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it's that's your argument? Right, exactly. It's not about basketball. This is all about the almighty dollar, which goes back to football. It's not about women's basketball. It's not about any of the other sports, like softball or soccer or acrobatics and tumbling. Any of those sports that that schools have outside of football, it's not about. It's only about football. So We'll talk to uh, Shahan Jaraja coming up at 4 p.m., all things college football. One, I really am interested and intrigued by Stanford and Cal. Like, where do they go? You know, because there's no, there's no talks of them going to the Big 12. You know, so I, I don't know. So it, it's, just, it's just part of the, part of the what, what if. What, what's going to go on with college football? So we'll do that at 4 o'clock. But as I mentioned, we're coming in off the 4th of July holiday, and unfortunately we had a, another day where we had to say – Prayers and thoughts and all that goes out to, you know, what happened in, uh, in Highland Park, Illinois. There was, a, the, you know, the, the mass shooting. And it's, it's crazy because Steve Kerr said it after the uh, Uvalde uh, situation and said that we're so numb to it. And it sucks. It, it sucks that we are so numb to it that it's just like, man, our prayers and thoughts go out to the families and just nothing. You know, it's like, man, you can't even go to a, a, a Fourth of July parade 
without worrying about it getting shot up. And, you know, luckily, well, I guess not luckily, but, you know, the guy's in custody now that did it. But it's just so unfortunate. So that put a damper, obviously, on the 4th of July. But, you know, it was the 4th of July holiday. There was fireworks all over the city of Las Vegas. <laughs> More than DeMond wanted to see. I actually saw on Twitter, DeMond was like, okay, I'm done. I'm over the fireworks. There was a ton last night. Enough. There was a ton. There's, um, like, right across the street from where I live, there's a park. And people were just setting up shop and just lighting off their fireworks right at the park. And it's like, yeah, it's nice in theory. But then it's like 1130. Then it's midnight. And it's like, hey, guys, what are we doing? You know, I thought fireworks probably were going to end around 10. Like, I thought that was going to be the grand finale. But And I was at multiple locations last night. Actually, we went to Vegas Justice House. And um, we actually got on top of the roof. Imagine this. We got on top of the roof to watch uh, the fireworks, which was uh, uh, interesting in itself. Uh, so we were on top of the roof that was not flat, so we had to work our way up there. Uh, we may have fired a firework off his uh, air conditioner on top of the roof. May have. I'm saying. Allegedly may have done that. But it was it was really cool to see all the fireworks all over town. Like, no matter what direction you look, it was boom, 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 just flying everywhere. Then when we left the house, like I said, it was about 10. Thought, okay, it's, everything's going to get wrapped up. No. It didn't get wrapped up. It just kept going and going and going. And then we ended up over at uh, Lindo Michoacan in uh, in Henderson on the on top of the hill. So we were able to look out over everything and see all the fireworks. And it was just fireworks everywhere. Yeah, if you follow the page on Twitter, Las Vegas locally, there were there were a couple. Who doesn't of tweets. follow that page? Yeah, there were a couple <laughs> of tweets. It's like, hey, this palm tree is on fire. Yeah, that was my neighborhood. Was it really? Yes. No. <laughs> I no. Like, so you know how you pull in like there's a it's a gate, you know, and then it's just like I'm looking. It's like oh, there's a fire truck right here. That is I was, funny. I got to the aftermath of it, but it's like, oh, putting the pieces together. Like, oh, wow. that's where I live. Wow. Well, did your house catch on fire? No, no, okay, no. Okay, good. Just no, palm palm, tree. no palm trees in your in your neighborhood? I mean, you're in your yard? No, 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 no. Okay, good. All right. But in the neighborhood? Yes. Okay. Well, Lisa wasn't in your yard. So please don't light fireworks around DeMond's house anymore. Please. We don't want that. But glad that you made it back home safely. Neighborhood was traumatized. <laughs> I bet. I have no <laughs> doubt. I, I kind of lightweight would be traumatized too if all of a sudden I saw a palm tree on fire. That would be something. That's kind of major. But besides that, I thought the 4th of July was great. And on top of that, we were off an extra day, which was weird. Oh, I had a great day, though. Uh, I'm sure you did because you didn't have to work. Me, I was wondering what the <laughs> hell to do with myself. I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on? Why don't we have something to do? Why don't I have a, a, a show to go do right now? And I'm trying to plan the show. And I was like, I can't plan the show. It's the 4th of July. I did watch the hot dog eating contest and saw Joey Chestnut uh, choke out somebody. That was interesting. But, okay. There's, there's interesting times going on uh, around the world these days. But uh, back from the 4th of July, feeling really good and recharged. Uh, before we get into opening drive, got this text already on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q&D, is this true? Q could play softball? Nah, we don't believe it at all. We know when we see something great, and this is not one of them. DeMond's high school basketball years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was ready to be like, no, Q says he can play. We got to. No, man. Hey, look, I, I, got, I, got, look I got people that back me up, though. John will join the show at three. He'll tell you. He'll tell you. Not only was I hitting home runs, but I was playing left field like the best of them. I was killing it. So, hey, man. I'm a softball legend. Just saying. That one bucket I scored against Bishop Gorman. <laughs> Lives in the record books. That one bucket. They you, were the number one team in the country. You probably didn't even yeah. score when the game was going on. Gave them buckets, bro. You, you probably number scored a bucket during warm-ups. Yo, Ronnie Stanley was on that During squad. the layup line. I mean, nothing but D1 athletes. You know, I took the whole team to the to the paint, you know. We don't know. Like the same way you were talking about your your. Hit. I have someone that can back me up, though. Man, yo, I, there were people on that team. Who? 
I'll get a, I'll get a high school teammate. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You, I mean, your girlfriend wouldn't back you up. Yo, I mean, we can go to Max Preps or something, and they, and, they got and, the box and look, score. In the box score, yeah. they have that box score from that long ago. Yeah, it, it was a while ago, but hey, man, I know it was. They were the number one team in the country. They had to be keeping stats. Yeah, on them, they weren't worried about you. <laughs> You're one bucket, asterisks. Oh yeah, and by the way, Demond scored one. Bucket. Oh man, the crowd went crazy. I bet, I bet. You must have, you must have had a whole family <laughs> night there. <laughs> That's our baby. <laughs> Our baby did good. Go on, get him tomorrow. Crowd went crazy. And Shabazz now, Muhammad. Now get, on, now get on back to the bench. Get on back to the bench now that you didn't done something before you embarrassed the family. That's what they said. No, I was like, it was one of those, why wasn't I in the game earlier? Could have done something about this. Okay, now now it's getting too thick in here. Now we're going to, Toby's going to have to open the door to let all the, you know what, roll out the door because it is getting thick in here. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now, this morning, riding in, I was listening to the morning tailgate with uh, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang this morning from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., and uh, they had Eric Moody on from ESPN, and he's a really good uh, fantasy guy, and he, he talks a lot of stats, and I've seen him lately on Twitter talking a lot about the Raiders, talking about Derek Carr, and... I've seen a lot of people, and we've heard people like Brett Favre saying that Devontae Adams was going to have a down year because uh, Derek Carr is not Aaron Rodgers, and we all realize that. But I don't think that he's going to have a drop-off. you know. And, and again, with Brett Favre, and I think a lot of people are really taking it out of context, saying that, uh, oh, yeah, you know, he was disrespecting Derek Carr. I don't think he was ever disrespecting Derek Carr. But just saying that Carr is not, not Aaron Rodgers, that's fine. I don't think there's any argument with that. I still think Devontae Adams is going to have a really good year. And potentially, I believe Derek Carr could have his best year. And so when I'm listening to Eric Moody talk to Vinny and Clay and Heidi this morning, he pretty much felt the same way, and this is why. You look at Derek finished with 4,804 passing yards. Now, the only quarterbacks who finished with more were Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert, and Tom Brady. So what makes Carr's 2021 season even more impressive is that he accomplished this you know, with former head coach John Gruden resigning in October. You had Henry Ruggs, his off-the-field uh, issues. He was arrested in November. You got Darren Waller missing most of December, you know, with an injury. But I think the, I would say the event that will catapult Carr's statistical production is obviously the addition of Devontae Adams. Now, we all know that they were college teammates. That shouldn't be understated. Fresno State, Mm -hmm. Carr and Adams connected for 133 receptions from 2012 to 2013, over 3,000 yards, 39 touchdowns. And so, it, it should not surprise anyone okay. if Carr and Adams don't get off to a fast start this season. And one area in particular where Adams could help Carr is in touchdown passes. And I'll kind of close on this. Now, Carr's only averaged 23.6 passing touchdowns per season over the last three. Since 2016, Adams has 69 receiving touchdowns, which ranks first in the league. You've got Josh McDaniels, new head coach, has a reputation of being one of the best offensive minds in the game. Then when you pair Adams and the rest of the playmakers with Carr, you know, he's going to have all these playmakers at his disposal in Las Vegas. I believe he could throw for more than 5,000 yards and 30 or more touchdowns this season. So there you go right there. Eric Moody from ESPN was on the morning tailgate this morning with Vinny Clay and Heidi talking about uh, different fantasy levels when it comes to the Raiders. And actually we'll have Mo Moten on uh, at 3.30 talking about the over-under, and we'll talk about this as well with him. And he, he put out some uh, stats as well and uh, a really good article. But you heard him right there. You heard him talking about 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. He would not be surprised 
if Derek Carr went over those numbers. Now, I'll say this. If he goes over 5,000 and throws for 30 or more touchdowns, that means that they had, obviously, a really big year offensively, and most likely the running game is going to dip a little bit. Because you can't – I mean, you can't have 5,000 yards and – you know, 1,200 yards rushing. You know, you may you may hover around 1,000 yards rushing, but if you have over 5,000 yards passing, most likely you'll have, you know, around, like I said, around 1,000 yards uh, rushing, maybe a little bit more, but I don't think you're looking at a 1,200, 1,300-yard rushing season. And, and that's not for one guy. I'm not just talking about Josh Jacobs. I mean, kind of in general. I feel like that you're really, really pass-heavy if you go over 5,000 yards. But they go over 5,000 yards, and he throws 30 or more touchdowns. My guess would be that they had a really good season. Yes, but it also remember when we had Mike Clay on the show and he didn't have him going that high in the touchdown route because mm-hmm. he thought the running game would be better this season under Josh McDaniels. Right. So it is that catch of, I don't know how this offense, how they're going to look and how where they're going to be better in what areas, but everyone thinks that they are going to be better, but I just don't know if Derek Carr is going to get those touchdowns. Like plus 30, ooh, it'd be nice to see. But then how does that affect the running game, like I mean, you just said? Right, exactly, and, and that's the thing. And we've talked about it before. I mean, 30 touchdowns, 30 passing touchdowns to me should be a number that every quarterback's aiming at. You know, they should. that should be kind of the benchmark. Like, hey, got to get over, got to get to 30 touchdowns or more. And I know historically uh, the Raiders haven't had quarterbacks that throw uh, over 30, 30 touchdowns. I mean, I think it's only happened like, what, twice maybe? You know, I think, what, Gannon did it once. and or did, I don't think Gannon did it at all, actually. I can't remember. You can look it up. But I know that it hasn't been done very often. So the point is, do you think realistically that Derek Carr could go 5,000 yards plus, and do you think he can do 30 or, or more touchdowns? Just going to throw it out there. Just, just want to get your realistic thoughts. Because, again, it's going to be a tough division. You have to compete with the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Chargers. All these teams look to have high-power high offenses. So you're going to have to be able to keep up. And the thing about it is if you go back to what the Raiders did a season ago and you look at all those damn field goals that they had to settle for, if just a couple of those, right, if a couple of those are touchdown passes, he's at 30 anyway. I mean, they had way too many field goal attempts. My man Fabian says it all the time. You know, minus four, minus four, minus four. That's another minus four. Every time they made a field goal, I remember tweeting out, and Carlson hits a field goal, minus four. That was the response, minus four. If they just eliminated a few of those, a handful of those, and turned those into touchdowns, he's already at 30. And he was at 4,800 yards last season. So it's not like, you know, when you think of the number 5,000, you're like, wow, that's a large number. He was at 4,800 plus last year. And all he had to do is change a couple of those, those possessions from field goals to, to touchdowns, and you're right there, 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns. And to think that he finished top five in passing yards last season, I know it's sometimes, hey, but where are the touchdowns? But to even get that many completions with the weapons that he had, you lose right. Henry Ruggs halfway through the season. Darren Waller is injured later on in the yeah. season. And it was just what him and Renfro, Zay Jones, was just like, man, to put Deshaun up. Jackson. Exactly. You know? So thinking about it, it's kind of incredible that he put a 4,800 I think yards. it's very realistic. You know, yes. when, when you start thinking about it, I think 5,030 is very realistic. I, I really do. But. Raider Nation, I, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Do you think that that's realistic, especially after you hear in Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre say that Devontae Adams' production is going to go down? Honestly, I don't think that even matters. You know what I mean? If he goes for 1,000 yards or 1,100 yards and it's down from what he did a season ago, that's fine because they have, they have more weapons than Green Bay had. Green Bay had Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. I mean, there's other guys. I'm not trying to be, you know, sound. I'm talking about big-time players, right? The Raiders have multiple options, so I don't expect Adams' yardage to be as quiet as, as high as it's been over the course of his career because he's not going to just be the only target. You know, you have Waller. You have Renfro that are going to 
uh, demand you know the ball and and I don't mean demand the ball like hey Carr give me the ball but you know that they're going to get the ball you know that they're going to get the rock they're going to be a big time target for Derek Carr so I, I just feel like that 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 five thousand yards and thirty touchdowns is very very realistic and it's it's so funny so many people started out like oh the Raiders got the fourth best quarterback oh they're going to finish fourth in division I don't know about you lately but all I'm hearing is more people start to turn the corner and say you know. Derek Carr is not getting the respect that he should get. Oh, the Raiders are the team to beat. I mean, Rich Eisen, who comes on before JT, he's been saying it for the longest, right? He's been talking about the Raiders as the AFC champs. K.J. Wright said he thought that the Raiders were going to win the AFC. I hear Colin Cowherd giving high respect and high praise to Derek Carr. I mean, there's all of a sudden you're starting to hear all these guys that you didn't hear saying a while ago about Carr and the Raiders and how, 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 how well they think they'll do in 2022. Now all of a sudden you're hearing guys talk about how well you think they're going to do in 2022. So let me hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Who's up first? Fargo Raider. Fargo! What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q and Demond. Good to be back on. Thank you for taking my call. Now, I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to have to say this. I don't think he was being real disrespectful towards Carr. I'm talking about Favre, but it was sort of disrespectful, in my opinion. Not not so much that he was saying that he's not Aaron Rodgers, but that he don't think that he, you know, he might ever get there. Come on, man. What are you, you going to tell me that the Raiders can never, in the span of what, let's say he plays maybe another 12 seasons? He's not, or 11 to make 20? You think he's not going to be able to win one chip? That's all Aaron Rodgers has done. I mean, you're going to tell me one chip takes you to the top of the mountain? I would argue that more of the stats, I would lay him on Devontae's hands and feet than I do Rodgers as far as the time that he's had Devontae Adams. Now, if I was Devontae Adams, I would feel slighted at the fact that Barb was trying to insinuate that it might have been Rodgers that made uh, Devontae that great. I don't think that's the case. Dude was special, and he felt slighted that he didn't get drafted in the first round, and he went out and proved that he was special. And as far as the national media starting to trickle in our our, uh, backyard, let them stay disrespectful and sleeping on us. I want them to keep that 2016 energy. Where all season, they kept saying how we were going to lose that game. How we were going to lose that game. It was beautiful watching them come on the shows on Mondays and Tuesdays and Fridays after Thursday night games and have to swallow their words and sit there and say, well, well, it was because the other team because of the other team, until we were up to, like, 10 wins, they were like, oh, well, maybe the Raiders are just really good this year. They, you know, they came out of nowhere. No, they didn't. You just ain't been paying attention. Thank you guys for, t- for taking my car, and you have a great day. Hey, before you go, Fargo, let me ask you one question real quick. Yes, sir. So does Carr throw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns or no? I think easy, and if you don't get those 30, those 30 touchdowns, it's because we're going to be ramming the rock down people's throats. I, I see some of the times that we're in the in the red zone, if we're close enough, they're going to want to beat it in just to prove some points, you know, that we can get it in there whether we do it through the air or the ground. And, and no more in minus fours, but I think it might, be a, it might not be all the way to 30 because we're going to be running that ball, and we're going to be running it in for TDs. Okay. Thank you guys. You have a good one. Hey, good, good stuff, man. Appreciate the call. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, look. I don't think that Brett Favre was being real disrespectful when it comes to, to Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, one's a Hall of Famer, one's not. 
I mean, it's simple. There's guys in the league that have won one championship and they're not Hall of Famers. You know, there's guys that have won a couple of rings in the league and they're not Hall of Famers. Aaron Rodgers, no doubt about it, is a Hall of Famer. Regardless of how you feel about him off the field and the kind of person he is, he's a Hall of Famer. He's had a bunch of comeback victories, you know, which obviously Derek Carr has as well. But the dude's gotten to the team to the playoffs multiple times. I mean, he, he's just he's a different breed. And that's not taking anything away from Derek Carr. Everyone doesn't have to be elite. That's the thing about it. Like, Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback. Now, you're right. He's only won one championship, and he hasn't done that great in the playoffs. But he's an elite quarterback. Derek Carr is not putting in an elite category, but I think he's damn good. And I, that's okay. Everyone doesn't have to be elite. And it doesn't take an elite quarterback to win a championship. I don't think Matt Stafford's elite. He just won a championship. I, I was around this time last year. I was arguing to anyone who would listen that Matt Stafford and Derek Carr were basically on the same level, but yet Matt Stafford always got a lot more love. After Actually, when I was in L.A. for the Super Bowl on Radio Row, people were telling me if Matt Stafford wins the Super Bowl, he's, he should be considered a Hall of Famer. I don't see that at all. I don't see that. But I know that that's the conversation that people are having right now. I don't think, and I'll ask John McClain. He's a Hall of Fame voter. I'll ask him at 3 o'clock. What would Matt Stafford have to do to get into the Hall of Fame? I don't see one championship and the numbers that he's put up as far as his yards and touchdowns go, meaning that he would be a Hall of Famer. I don't see that. But that was a conversation that we were having on Radio Row before the Super Bowl. No, Matt Stafford, when it comes to just those numbers, just looking at the counting stats, he's got the yards. But he hasn't had the wins. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, you know, people, hey, 10, 15 years down the road, they don't remember the games. They don't remember the Lions being bums. They'll look at that one Super Bowl win and then say, man, this guy was throwing for darn near 5,000 yards every season. I just don't see it. I'm with you. I don't look at him as a Hall of Famer, even with the one ring. And I know that some people will tell me right now that, yes, he is. And that's fine. That's fine. I say it all the time. You don't have to agree with me. I'm just going to tell you how I feel. And how I feel, there's no way he's a Hall of Famer. But that's just me. So we'll ask John McClain coming up at 3 o'clock. Hell, I'll ask Ed Graney. Ed Graney's coming up next. But Raider Nation, hit us up. Let us know about it. 69187, keyword r Let us know what you think. Can Derek Carr realistically throw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns in 2022? This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Brett Favre came out this weekend and says, oh, Devontae Adams, it's going to be rough for Devontae Adams. He's not going to get a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And I heard that quote and I thought, well, the exact opposite is true. Devontae Adams goes to Derek Carr, who since he entered the league, or at least the last seven years, he leads the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks. Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback. He carried a dysfunctional sideshow last year to the playoffs. He's out of line, but he's right. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Right there, the herd, Colin Cowherd, talking about what Brett Favre had to say over the weekend about Devontae Adams not going to a quarterback on the level of, uh, you know, of Aaron Rodgers in Derek Carr. And he's not wrong. Aaron Rodgers is definitely a Hall of Famer. Derek Carr, though, is a really good quarterback, in my opinion. Right now, we'll talk to Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, also the Las Vegas Review Journal. And Ed, thank you for your time this afternoon. And you heard what Colin Cowherd had to say. You know what Brett Favre had to say. What are your thoughts? You know what, Q, we talked a lot about this in the morning show. How you doing? Um, it's interesting because when I heard Brett Favre's comments, like I think uh, my co-host agreed, like I didn't, I didn't like blink or gasp or anything like that because if you kind of break it down, I mean, a couple things are obvious, and it's no slight to Derek. He's not, he's not Aaron Rodgers. Well, who is, you know, you can count on what, one, one hand who's Aaron Rodgers? So I didn't think that was a big deal. 
And the other thing I thought is what what was read into it, I think, and we talked about this today, is that you could make an argument that Devontae Adams will have less yards than he's had the last few years and still have a really good season because he finally has a great number two and he has one of the best tight ends in the in the in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean he has things that he didn't really have in Green Bay with Renfro and Waller. So if you're saying, okay, he's not going to be the thirteen hundred yard guy, but they're going to spread it around to Renfro and Waller and make all those guys options and weapons then there's nothing wrong with that if they win games. Right. So if I'm Devontae Adams, you know, with the time we've been around him, you and I, and in those media sessions, if you say, hey, you're going to maybe get 1,100 yards, but you're going to win 10 or 11 games, I think he's taken that. Right, exactly, and that's the thing, and he's been saying that ever since he got here is that, hey, I, I don't care about the numbers. I'm not going to ask Derek to force me the ball uh, because he, he wants to win games. He wants to have a chance to, to win a championship, get into yeah. the playoffs. And so, again, he's never had the, the kind of weapons around him that he has now with Waller, as you mentioned, and with Renfro, with the run game, and a play caller like Josh McDaniels. Yeah, exactly, and we haven't seen what McDaniels can do with Carr yet. Right. And maybe it's as good as everyone thinks. And if it is, then Devontae Adams will be you know, a recipient of a lot of that success. So, again, I don't know if Brett Favre was trying to take shots at anybody or rip anybody. I think he was just saying what was on his mind. And the Aaron Rodgers point is obvious, but you could put most people in that sentence. And right. No slight to their as quarterbacks. And, you know, I don't know if he thought Devontae wouldn't have as good a year because of the quarterback. I just thought, you know, and, you know, again, a good year is making the playoffs. And if they make the playoffs, who cares what the numbers are? Right. I mean, that, that, that doesn't matter at that point. And I don't think any of those guys, Renfro, Waller, Devontae, um, anyone out there catching balls or running the ball with all the running backs they have care as long as they make the playoffs. So, you know, I, you know, Coward, top 10, top 12, I don't think anyone's ever debated that about Derek. I think that's kind of where he's fallen in the mode of most rankings, which are obviously subjective at best. Um, they're not, you know, they're obviously it's not an exact science on where he ranks as a quarterback, but I think when you say top 10, not many people would blink. So he's a really, really good quarterback. I just didn't take what Brett Favre meant to be that much of a rip on anybody. I just, you know, I don't, because I think that they're so good at the two and three spots and it, you know, it's hard to call Darren Waller's one, you know, one of the best tight ends in the world, a three, right. but if you're going to say Renfro's a two, a wide receiver and you have the number one tight end, um, I, I think it could be spread around a lot. I agree. I agree 100%. And I didn't take it as a, as a slight to, to Derek Carr either from Brett Favre. I just think he answered how he answered. And again, I mean, you have a handful of elite guys and then there's everybody else, right? And so, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, Devontae Adams is elite. I mean, that's, you know, we're not breaking news. Right. I mean, you know, he's an elite, elite wide receiver. And, you know, I know he had 1,200 and 1,300 yards. A lot of that had to do with who was around him and a lot of that had to do with who was throwing him the ball. Right. So, exactly. Let's see what happens this year. And again, I'll go back to my original statement. If he's in the eleven hundred plus mode, but you know, and Renfro's near that, and you know, near a thousand, Waller has his year, then they'll all be happy, and they won't be looking at numbers because they'll be in the playoffs again. Right, exactly. As long as they get to the playoffs, everyone on the squad will be happy. We're talking with yeah. Ed, Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. So I started out the show today. Uh, Eric Moody from uh, ESPN was on the morning tailgate this morning, and he said that he expected, he thought, and wouldn't be surprised if Carr threw for five thousand yards and over thirty touchdowns. And of course, he hasn't hit thirty touchdowns. He averages about twenty four a year. Do you think five thousand and thirty is a realistic number for Carr? It's crazy because I almost I I right when you said that I kind of raised my eyes at five thousand, but I didn't raise my eyes at thirty. If that makes sense, I got you. Um, I don't think he has to throw for five thousand to throw for thirty. 
so um, he's, you know, what's his career high? 46, 47 in, in that range. I'm trying to guess enough off the top of my head what his career high is. As far as uh, uh, touchdown passes? No, in terms of yards. Oh, no, he had, last year he had 4,800. Okay, so 4,800, 4,800. Okay, well, maybe I shouldn't raise my eyes up. <laughs> I, you know, I thought it was a little lower than that. But, um, no, I mean, I, I think it's doable, like we said, for all the reasons we've already talked about with these weapons. I right. think it's doable. Um, you know, I think so much is put on Devontae Adams. I don't think people should forget how good Hunter Renfro is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's he's a really, really good player, and he could be the beneficiary of a lot of Devontae Adams whether it's double-team, bracket, whatever they're going to try to do to him. And I think Hunter can make a lot of people pay until they kind of you know honor him as well, and then you have Waller. So 5,030, if you tell me he threw for 48 last year, I guess that's not outrageous. Um, the 30, for some reason, I don't think the 30's uh, not doable. I think that's doable, and maybe because of the three guys we're talking about. Right. No, exactly. And you, you realize that the Raiders have to find a way to do better in the red zone, right? I mean, that's just that's a yeah. must. If they don't, they're not yeah. gonna, it's not going to be the run that they want. I mean, it's just simple. No, it's you know, they've got, they've got to be able to do that. So let me ask you this, because a lot of times, and I hear people talking about Matt Stafford all the time, and even, I don't know if you were uh, around during Radio Row during the uh, during the week of Super Bowl when people were saying that if Stafford won a Super Bowl, he, he's potentially a Hall of Famer. I don't see that. But what were your thoughts on that? I, I've never kind of, I've never kind of accepted the fact that if you win it, you're an automatic Hall of Famer. Some mm-hmm. do. I know people who vote on it. I know people who have been in the room for 20, 25 years who've told me, you know, I mean, as much as they can tell me in terms of the conversations, not specifics because they can't do that, but just how it goes, who talks on the people. Want, you know, you have a representative each player step up. Sometimes it's a beat writer who covered the guy's whole career. Um, sometimes it's a columnist. It's usually, you know, someone who knows the guy as well as anyone. Uh, great story. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this one. But when Troy Aikman came up for Hall of Fame induction, the guy stood up. He literally, And sometimes these things go on forever in terms of stats and why he should be in and everything. And the guy stood up and said, Troy Aikman, and sat down. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's just obvious ones. Right. You know, I don't know why you spend money on But Stafford, you, I think you'd have to spend a lot of time on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think just because he won a Super Bowl he should be in the Hall of Fame. And, I, you know, I mean, does that mean Derek, if he wins it this year, should be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, Right, and I don't yeah, see that. A lot, yeah, there's a lot more to consider with Matt Stafford. And a lot of people, I don't want to take shots at just Matt Stafford, but right. I think with his career, to say just because he won it, he should be in. Um, I mean, how, how many did Eli win? Right, exactly. He only won a couple. So there yeah, you go. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, but, but you know, there's, there's those parameters, 3,000 hits. Win a Super Bowl, um, NBA titles. You know, uh, Tyler gives us a hard time all the time because we say Eric Spolster is an automatic Hall of Fame coach because of the titles he won. Um, I think he is. He'll mm-hmm. get in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just there's just there's some barometers that people follow, but then there's some barometers that people say, you know what, we got to hear more of it. I would think in the room they'd have to hear more about Matt Stafford. Right, I, I agree, and the thing is, is that they're always kind of lumped together. Carr and Stafford, I've always felt that they were very similar quarterbacks. Stafford was in a terrible situation in Detroit, and Derek's been a, in a in a dysfunctional situation with the Raiders. You know, as of late, he's obviously had stability, but then you saw what happened last year. But I mean, for as far as at least having the same coach, same system, he did have that until everything, until the wheels fell off last season. So with the fact that Stafford went to L.A., had all these weapons around him, had an elite play caller and Sean McVay, they were able to go and win the Super Bowl. Could Derek Carr, and I'm not saying that the Raiders would have to win the Super Bowl, but could Derek Carr have that same kind of Matt Stafford effect now that he has the weapons around him that he has and an elite play caller in Josh McDaniels? I mean, I think it's going to come down to how well he adapts and McDaniels adapts to him. Um, I I think that's as simple as you can get it. Um, How well these guys adapt, how well he understands what McDaniels wants to do in all situations. 
And if he understands it and he, you know, gets it down quickly and get, you know, starts the season in a good mode with him. Yeah. I mean, I think they could do really, really well. It's just going to come down to those two, you know, Derek, yeah. uh, Derek did a really good job last year when it went chaotic uh, and it did go chaotic and throw for almost 5,000 yards. He told me it's 4,800. Um, again, I thought it was a little lower than that. So that's a heck of a year. Um, but, you know, now all that stuff is gone. You know who your coach is, who the coach is going to be. You know what he, he wants in terms of, you know, his offense. You've learned through OTAs and, and mini camps. I'm sure he's been in the room with them for a long, long time already. So I think if they are copacetic with each other and know what each other want, I think Derek Carr could have a huge year, probably a career year. Talking right now with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review-Journal here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man demond has got one for you. Yeah, Ed, this is going to be a tough one for you. Oh, boy. But with the Dodgers, Freddie Freeman, he obviously doesn't want to be on the team anymore. <laughs> Do you? Come on, I'm Ed, sorry. I'm I, apologize. Not this up. I apologize right now, Ed. Ed, you know, Ed knows I'm not making this up. And is there any scenario that you can see that the Dodgers should do the right thing and trade him back to Atlanta? No. What are you talking about? No, they signed him to a six-year deal. I say we because I've been a fan since I could breathe. We're not sending that guy back to Atlanta. He's hitting three oh four, Demond. He's he's I mean, he might. I think you know. Obviously, he was mad at the agent and how that went down. But he's a big boy. His dad lives in L.A. and they talk nightly. His dad was his hitting coach his whole career. He's he's from there. His parent, you know, his parents are there. The wife's parents are there, I believe. So they're back. They're happy. Stop spreading these rumors, Demond. You're you're you're. you're well, you're, good you're, thing, Ed. Nobody's listening to Demond anyway. So <laughs> stop spreading these things, man. He's fine. He's fine, Demond. Stop it. We have a chance this year. There's a that's Black ba- Bayless over here. We got we got Black <laughs> Bayless across from me. Jeez, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Ed, let's get back to football real quick. Jeez, uh, I got I got to get away from that awful question, but that's all right. Demond's got to bring a little comedy to the show every once in a while. I wish you would ask me if UNLV was going to be in the Pac-12, but go ahead. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's funny because I was actually going to go there. You know, we're going to talk some college football later on the show, but I I was going to ask you what you thought about US, USC UCLA leaving the Pac-12. What in the world is the Pac-12 going to do now? And it looks like a bunch of them could be going to the Big Twelve. Yeah, um, you know, uh, so this is a sh- this is a harkens back to Larry Scott and the horrible media rights deal that they they negotiated uh, for the money that these teams got each year. So, you know, now U- USC and UCLA bounce and they'll triple their money in terms of revenue. Yes, it's going to be hard on the tennis team that has to get on Southwest Airlines and travel to Minnesota or, or, or Wisconsin and places like that. But when you talk about the revenue and the money, I don't think they could have turned it down. You know, I. I'm one to believe, Hugh, instead of expanding um, and starting to, you know, invites the San Diego States, the Boise States, and UNLVs of the world, I would not be surprised if more of those Pac-12 teams jumped and it's, you know, it's dog-eat-dog and the survival of the fittest. You know, um, Oregon is still out there. Washington's still out there. I think the Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah could go to the Big 12. I think Oregon and Washington could go to the Big 10. And then you're left with Stanford, Cal, and Oregon State and Washington State. You can't have a conference with four teams. This sounds crazy to some people, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had to go to the Mountain West. I mean, mm. I, just, I just think what you said is that it could disband more so than it could expand. Um, you know, there's a lot of things people say, oh, not a San Diego State's an automatic, this team's an automatic. When you look at what the Pac-12 defines, what they want in their members, and sometimes it's very hypocritical when you talk about academics at some of the schools, but what they say they want, there's not a lot of people that fit in the mode uh, of that. Now, I do think, here's the thing about UNLV. UNLV has a lot of going for it. Everyone wants to be here now. Uh, it has resources. It's, it started a fund for the NIL. It has boosters who I believe if they went to the Pac-12 would step up and companies would step up. The, sor- the eyesore is football. 
and it's been an eyesore for decades. So, you know, do you go and get a team, a school with that football program? Now, people will say, well, if you put them in the Pac-12, they'll be a lot better because they can recruit to higher level. Maybe that's true. But I think UNLV actually has some bright things about them. Um, I don't think they're, you know, the team San Diego State or Boise State is in terms of overall program. Mm-hmm. But it's the survival of the fittest. And I think Eric Harper right now is probably the most important AD in the history of UNLV because he's better be working behind the scenes because you can get left behind quickly in, in 2022 the way these things are falling. Right, absolutely. And so, final question for you, Ed, sticking with the college football theme. Ultimately, what do you think happens? Is this going to turn into a a two-conference powerhouse thing in college football? I think it's going to go two. I think it could go one. And what I would do, and what, what, you know, we're talking about this in the show this morning, what I would love and what we would love, because I'm sorry, I love the best teams playing each other, you know, this could be the precipice of what we've always said in a super conference. And in that sense, you have to force Notre Dame to come in. Notre Dame's the one team that's out there that everyone's kind of waiting for the ball to drop to see where they go. Mm-hmm. But you could have a you could have a super conference of 64 teams, and, you know, that would mean in a non-conference game, you know, or in conference games, you could get Alabama, Ohio State, you could get USC against, you know, Georgia, and who wouldn't want to watch those games every week? So it's either going to be, I think, a major of two or a super conference. And that's why I say teams like UNLV, San Jose, Boise State, they really need to keep their you know finger on it because if not, you could get passed up quickly. I hope that doesn't happen, but it's dog eat dog right now. The way that you know way these uh, schools are trying to jump to uh, Big Twelve and Big Ten and SEC. Yeah, it really is, man. It's interesting to see how it all shakes out. And, uh, you know, I felt like there was going to be some movement, especially in the Big 12. I thought there was going to be some movement. So I wasn't surprised when Oklahoma and Texas decided to go to SEC. I didn't see all this other stuff happening. <laughs> just, no, you know. I didn't. And the two Arizona schools in Colorado, supposedly in Utah, met with the Big 12 or at least mm-hmm. reached out to them. So they're trying to get out. And eventually the Pac-12 just won't have as many teams as they need for a league. So if that happens, uh, who all bets are off as to what would happen with those final three or four teams. Right, no doubt about it. Well, Ed, fantastic stuff as always, my man. What you got coming out on uh, either the RJ or, or ESPN Las Vegas that we need to be on the lookout for? We're going to continue this discussion tomorrow. We're going to talk to a great guy at 730, Mark Ziegler from San Diego. He'll break all the Pac-12 down. He's got a lot of good thoughts about UNLV and the Mountain West and where they go. So listen to 730. Mark's a wonderful guest, and he'll break this all down for everybody. That's what I'm talking about. Well, fantastic stuff as always, my man. I appreciate you. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, there he goes. Ed Graney from the RJ ESPN Las Vegas and uh, does fantastic work. Uh, one of the best writers in the in the business. So uh, we definitely appreciate Ed and his time. And I'll tell you what, Damon, you got something out of Ed that I never thought I would ever hear from Ed Graney. The we? He said we. He said we. I can't believe it. Ed is the professional professional, but you know where his, his allegiance lies when it comes to the Dodgers. Dodger blue? He's like, hell, hell with my professionalism. It's we, baby. It's all we. It ain't me. It's we. All eight of those Sports Writer of the Year awards, I need them back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, he's earned those. He's earned those. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm super shocked. And But he, you see, he said something about it immediately. He's like, hey, this is why I said it. So I'm like, okay, hey, that's Ed Grady. I ain't going to tell him nothing. I'm just going to think it. <laughs> he, let his, he let his Dodger blue out on that one. 2.47 is the time. We'll come back, close out hour number one. Many thanks to Ed Grady. We definitely appreciate it. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Joey Chestnut unofficially, 63 hot dogs and bun, a winner by 20, title number 15 for the greatest eater of all time. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Yeah, Joey Chestnut wins title 15, and I was watching it. What are you playing? Hungry Eyes. 
This guy comes in with a slow jam. <laughs> you come in with a slow jam. I get the tie-in, but it's like, what in the world are you doing? A slow jam doesn't get you fired up for the show. Man, this ain't late night slow jams. Turn off the lights. It's not R-Dub and his oral expressions and all that other BS. Sunday night slow jams, whatever show he does. It's not that. It's not Art LeBeau. Unbelievable. This is what happens when DeMond comes in in the cowboy hat and he's got his... He's back in the cowboy. Okay, let me ask you this. I was going to get to some text messages that we have. 69187 keyword R&R. No, we can, I, I, I'm going to get to them. But it's like, DeMond was a cowboy for like three days a week ago or maybe two weeks ago. And now all of a sudden, now you're back to cowboy DeMond. So what are you going through a midlife crisis at an early age? No, man, it's a good look. Are you having an identity crisis, though? It's no. not, you're, you're not consistent. It's a, what do you mean? It's a, hey, man, you can't wear, you know... The outfit every day. I wear the same thing to work every day. I have a, I have a polo shirt on that represents the radio station. I have my dry fit golf pants on. Every day it's the same work attire. You are very inconsistent here. Well, you got to mix it up. You got to keep the people guessing, you know. You don't want to be just, just known for that one thing. Should have seen me at UFC this past um, week, this past weekend. UFC 276 was there. Okay. At T-Mobile. Had on a nice blue shirt, the bolo tie, you know, a nice Yeah, this dude looks like the black Phillip Rivers. He's got the balls. Yeah, man, I look good, man. You know, I'm I not keep, saying it's not a good look. It's a good compliment. It's a pretty good look. I'm not saying it's not a good look. I just don't. I don't know where the consistency is. Again, the other Why day. Why do I need to be consistent? Because you said you were gonna be. You said just the other day. I said, okay, so is this your new look? You said yes. And that's when you started. You had two different hats or three different hats, and then all of a sudden you had a day where you had shorts and you looked like you were uh, on Miami Vice, a set of Miami Vice. And that said, was a Friday, and you're like, oh, it's an off day. Yeah. It's, it's, Okay. Friday, Q, okay. And then you went all last week and you didn't have the cowboy look either. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I think I did. Q. You definitely you did not. Here all last I was week. on the Zoom. I could see you, were, you. You weren't here at all last week. I don't. It don't matter. I saw you. I wore. I did wear a polo one of those days. Polos I mean, are great, but it's not your cowboy gear. So I'm just wondering, what are we doing here? Are you are, are, like next week? You're gonna ride to work on a skateboard, and then you're gonna come in looking like with Vans on and you look like buy me a whole new wardrobe. Q, come on, man. I can't. I'm just asking. Day. I'm just asking what we're going for here. That's all. Just little by little, I'll keep adding to the wardrobe. Now the bolo tie. That's a new okay. accessory here. I mean, come on. So tomorrow we're going to have the cowboy look again. I'm okay with it. You, you could be a cowboy every damn day for all I care. That's cool. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. Hell, if you want to come to work on a damn horse, I don't give a damn. I'm just wanna know, I just want to know if we're going to be consistent. That's all. Because now that I'm talking about you looking like a cowboy, you're going to be out in person and you're going to have just your regular gear on. Someone's going to be like, oh, man, I thought I was going to see you. I thought I was going to see Cowboy DeMond. You're on Twitter. He's tweeting pictures of how good he looks. Exactly. The remote that I did when I had the Aces watch party? Yeah. Cowboy. I know. That's when the whole madness started. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just asking for consistency. That's all. Well, you're asking for too much with that. <laughs> it's like, well, damn, it's like your work habits. You know, it's like consistently, I'd like it to be nice or good. Like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, DeMond's like, I'm on my A game. Tuesday and Thursday, eh, not so much. Or maybe it should be the other way. Tuesday and Thursday, you're on your A game. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, not so much. Hell, I'll take three out of five days, right? <laughs> hey, man, you know what? It's hard out here. You know. You know. <laughs> Seven ass text line, 69187, keyword R&R. &R. We threw out the question there to you. Do you think it's realistic that Derek Carr could go for 5,030? That's 5,000 yards and 30-plus touchdown passes. Uh, we got this text, a really good one, a good breakdown from my guy Rob in Oakland. He always has great breakdowns. In a 16-game season, a quarterback needs to average 312.5 yards per game to get 5,000 yards. 
In a 17-game season, the quarterback only has to average 294.1 yards per game. I think Derrick can easily do that this season with Devontae and may have done it if last season if, Ruggs thing, if the Ruggs thing hadn't happened. Derrick has the arm talent for a 30-touchdown season. I think this will depend on the red zone play calling. Derrick's numbers will go up if the defense gives him more possessions, including short fields from turnovers. Robin Oakland. Great stuff, and I think you hit it on the head at the end. The defense has to give more possessions, and including creating turnovers. That is one of the biggest things. We'll talk to Mo Moten at 3.30, over-unders, and he did a thing with uh, Trayvon Mullen at interceptions. I think Trayvon was on Twitter and said, oh, seven or eight, you know, hold me to it, that that's how many interceptions he's going to have. I'll tell you right now, if I'm betting, which I'm not, but if I was, I'm definitely betting the under on that. He's not going to get seven or eight interceptions this season. And not because I'm a hater, not because I don't like Trayvon Mullen. He's never done that in his life. In his life. He's never had more than three interceptions in a season. Going all the way back to Clemson. So why all of a sudden is he going to become like ball hawk of the year? Right? I mean, it's just one thing about it. If you are a guy that consistently creates turnovers, you're going to do that. And that goes back to college. If you're a guy who created turnovers in college, there's a good chance you're going to create turnovers in pros. That's just the reality of it. So seven or eight? No. Hell, the Raiders as a team only had six interceptions last year. So I don't think Trayvon Mullen is going to have seven or eight. But, hey, look, aim high. Aim high. I'm good with that. If he has four, that's great. It, it'll mean everyone else has to step up and get three or four. If Trayvon Merrick can get three or four, he should have had three or four last year. He had one, right? If he can get four, he can get four. Like Oprah, you get four, you get four, you get four. If that happens, that's 12 interceptions between three guys. So – he has, he has a, a, a turnover, an interception over under for Trayvon Mullen. I don't even worry about the individual player. I'm just talking about the defense in general. That's one of the questions that we'll ask him. How many interceptions or turnovers does he think this Raiders defense can create? That'll be a good question. We'll ask Mo coming up at 330. 2.58 is the time. Coming up next, John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle. We'll talk all things NFL, but of course we'll talk. we got to start off talking about that softball game and how much I was missed on Saturday. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.